All right, you guys, I am currently struggling with a pinched nerve in my neck. And if you have ever had one, you know the pain. So I am feeling super thankful for today's sponsor, Tanasi. Tanasi's CBD, CBDA is two times better than CBD alone and better than over-the-counter ibuprofen, acetaminophen, and aspirin. It helps soothe and relieve my aches and pains like my pinched nerve, and it's great for sleep and anxiety, so I put it on right before bed. Tanasi was discovered by a team of chemists and biologists at Middle Tennessee State University, and 5% of all revenue is given back to the university partner for ongoing research. It is THC-free and comes in a range of products. I love the topicals, but you can also choose from soft gels, gummies, and tinctures. Satisfaction is guaranteed. Try Tanasi for 30 days, and if you don't love it, you get a full refund. Go to Tanasi.com and use code MOM to get 25% off at checkout. That's T-A-N-A-S-I.com to get 25% off your first order with promo code MOM. Since learning the truth about alcohol over four years ago, I've become pretty skeptical about anything that seems too good to be true. You know, like alcohol. If you're like me and you can spot a too-good-to-be-true health hack from a mile away, congrats, you're a skeptic too. Ritual knows that every good skeptic deserves a multivitamin that exceeds our standards. I take Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus every morning because it has high-quality and traceable key ingredients in clean, bioavailable forms. It's gentle on an empty stomach and has a minty essence in every bottle that helps make taking my multis actually enjoyable. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com forward slash sober mom. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com forward slash sober mom for 25% off. Hi, welcome to the Sober Mom Life podcast. I'm your host, Suzanne of My Kind of Sweet and the Sober Mom Life on Instagram. If you are a mama who has questioned your relationship with alcohol at times, if you're wondering if maybe it's making motherhood harder, this is for you. I will be having candid, honest, funny conversations with other moms who have also thought, hmm, maybe motherhood is better without alcohol. Is it possible? We'll chat and we'll talk about all things sobriety and how we've found freedom in sobriety I don't consider myself an alcoholic. You don't have to either. And maybe life is brighter without alcohol. I hope you will join us on this journey and I'm so excited to get started. Welcome back to another episode of The Real Sober Mom Chats. It's like The Real Housewives, but without all the crazy, insane drama that alcohol causes. You guys asked, I listened, you love these stories so much. These are real moms who are right in the middle of their journey. Some are still sober curious, some are sober, some have some time under their belt, and they share it all with us. For a lot of them, this is the first time that they're talking about their journey, and they do it so beautifully and and openly and honestly, and they are vulnerable, and they are showing up to share their story in hopes that it will reach another mom out there. And so 
If you want to be on the podcast and share your story, come over on Patreon, The Sober Mom Life on Patreon. I will link it in the show notes and sign up. We would love to hear your story. Okay, enjoy the episode and happy Friday. Jen, welcome to this Real Sober Mom Chats. I'm so excited to have you. Okay, so you've been in our group for a long time. I mean, have you been going since it started? When did we start our Zoom groups? In November, maybe? I want to say I creeped around a little bit in the beginning, and then it's been a while. Yeah. And like, you're always, you're such a, now you're like such a fixture of our group. I feel like of all of the, (laughs) you just are of the zoom meetings of like Patreon of discord. Yeah. Random locations. Yeah. Yeah. You zoomed in from Italy. You showed us your background. I love seeing you in there because you have some sober time too. You have, are you at 18 months, right? You know, I should be better about knowing this. So I started my, you know, quest for a better life. I like to call it. Yeah. In August of 21. And then I've been totally sober since December of 21. You pretty quickly were like, oh, okay. Yeah. Alcohol free means quest for a better life. Well, here's the thing. I did have a couple of, so here you're ready for this one. So in May of 2019, I had had too much to drink. And my husband was like, this is done. We're not drinking anymore. And that was a big fixture of like our, like not relationship, but it's like, we're both, I'm a retired CPA. So he's still a CPA, but that was a big culture at PwC, like was to just like work hard, play hard. And so So the, the accountants just like let loose. Yes. And it has nothing to do with tax season. Let me tell you, like, it's just really? like all the time. Yeah. And, you know, you have all of these like client accounts and like you need travel, you go out to dinner. It's just like a big drinking culture. And that is not where my problem started. That goes way back to like, you know, youth. But in May of 19, my husband was like, we're done. I'm stopping. You're stopping. In hindsight, like I'm not really good about being told what to do. Like it really needs to be my idea. Totally. I think most people that's probably the case. So in that case, like I did quit for a while. And I actually was like, this feels pretty good. Yeah. And I then was like, you know, my head starts thinking like, well, no, you just need to figure this out. Like you don't need to like totally stop because then again, I didn't know anyone that didn't drink literally family, friends, random people. Like I didn't know anyone that didn't drink. And that sounds really stupid, but it's true. And so, yeah, it is. It's true in my life too. I think I knew I knew one person, one mom. Like in our, it, it was a like, don't ask questions, you know, because it's like, oh, I I don't know about that, and and then you're just like, okay, well, just leave that alone, and like, I don't want to know any more about that. Yeah. And so anyway, so I'm like, okay, I just need to figure this out. So I'm gonna do it on the sly, which in hindsight not the best decision either. Like that's not really good for a marriage. You decided that though. You decided you're just like, he doesn't need to know. Right. He doesn't need to know. And we had a ton of alcohol in our house. So Mm -hmm. it's not like we got rid of the alcohol because obviously we had to keep it in case other people wanted to drink it. Right. And I would never drink like out in public. And it was like kind of this general idea that people thought I didn't drink, but people could get me to drink if like they bought me drinks. But like, I didn't actively pursue drinking out in public. I would just keep it to like drinking at home by myself. And so 
that probably started, I would say, maybe October of 19. And then like fast forward to like 2020. And I my world went like crashing down. And I guess maybe I should say before that, I probably so I have four kids. At that point, I did not have three dogs, I had two dogs. But my kids are right now 13, 11, nine and seven. So when my youngest was born, my oldest was starting kindergarten, like literally Piper was born and Audrey started like three days later. I don't even know. Like, yeah. So I had a lot going on. My husband also was working a ton, not home. And then in hindsight, I was dealing with probably postpartum depression, but I didn't know it because it was number four and I never had it before. So when you, when you don't know, like you don't know, no, you don't layer in the fact that this is now going way back. So in 1988, I had a school shooter at my elementary school. Hmm. So that has a lot of deep-seated fear and anxiety that, again, I didn't know that I had until I had children of my own who were now going to school. And so that was a lot to deal with. And then also think back in like 1988, we didn't talk about anything. Like we literally, it happened on a Friday. We went to school on a Monday after the funeral. Like you just keep going. And so I really didn't know any other way other than just keep going. And again, like story of my family we don't talk about anything. There's no communication. So like when that happened, we didn't talk about how we were feeling. So those feelings from when I was nine years old were just shoved down and never to be talked about again. And that's where trauma happens. Trauma happens not necessarily by a traumatic event, but when it's a traumatic event that the kid or adult is just left to process on their own, like that's where that trauma is stored. And like, that's what, yeah. Right. And so I've always been on the mindset of that you just have to deal with your own problems. You just put your big girl pants on. Head down. Head down and you move on. And so in that case, like there was a lot that I think came up for me, but I didn't know it. Like I didn't know those feelings. I did not know like what was happening. And then also like when I was 17, when I was a senior in high school, I was a captain of the cross country team running in our first race of my senior year and I have a heat stroke with like literally like in the like finish gate area oh, wow! and I can see myself floating above like it was like super creepy I'm in the hospital for like three days they can't figure out what happened wow. again that's another traumatic thing that happened to me that we then never talked about <laughs> we weren't like how are you feeling like what it was like, yeah. go back to school and just like, they'll write an article about you in the paper and just move on, you know? And so, you know, my parents, they don't communicate. We don't talk about feelings. I mean, even they grew up doing that. And we still have that problem now. Like my brother and I have a call with my parents every Tuesday night. And I'm like, stuff, we're just like, why, why is this just coming up? Like, what is happening? Wait, hold you on. Know? Your brother, you guys both have a call. You get, are your parents still together? I'm guessing. Okay. So you and your brother you just all get on this like family conference call? Family FaceTime family every Tuesday night. <gasps> yep. Really? Yeah. And now are they talking about things or? Um, no. No. Okay. <laughs> They're talking around things. Oh, yes. We talk around things. My brother and I try to address things head on now because we just realize that like things are really kind of screwed up. So we try to discuss things kind of just like 
head on and my parents will skirt around it, but it's getting better. But my brother and I have a separate call afterwards to discuss all the things that didn't make any sense. That's hilarious. Yes. You you have to like download and be like, okay, we got to talk about this. That's hilarious. We do. I was like, that didn't make any goddamn sense. He's like, I know. (laughs) So yeah. So anyway, you know, I think going back to then to 2020, that was really hard because I had in March of 2020, I had a preschooler, I had a second grader and a fourth grader. Oh, man. So that, to me, I was like, I do not know how to do this because my husband was working upstairs. I literally had in my first floor, I had like two kids in one room, two kids in another. I'm running back and forth. Like it was just, it was a disaster. And then my kids didn't go back in the fall. Yeah. They didn't go back for a full year. So my youngest, like in in my mind, I was like, okay, I'm going to get my life together. I'm, you know, I'm not going to be using alcohol as a crutch once they all go to school, right? I'm just going to pull my life together. Well, really, that doesn't happen when you have all this like trauma and stuff that you haven't dealt with. So that never happened. So I was like, I'm just going to have to like numb this. And the only way I knew how was alcohol, because that is all that was ever taught to me growing up. I mean, my parents were the ones that would make sure that alcohol was in the car to go on a road trip. Like it had to be packed. Like, and so that is literally, it sounds stupid, but I really believed the only thing that would fix how I was feeling was alcohol because my parents smoked growing up and I was horrified. Like that was real bad. And like, I've never done a drug in my life, but alcohol seemed safe because it was everywhere. And that's what everyone did. I mean, it really sounds stupid now to be like, no, it's totally like having a drink makes everything better. It doesn't sound stupid. It sounds off because you're no longer brainwashed. But, and, and now you know the truth. But it's not. I mean, I mean, yeah, look around and that's what everyone is telling us. And that's what everyone is told. Yeah. And so I then, you know, keeping up with because no, I didn't drink according to my house. I was like, I can't do this. You know, and all those T-shirts are being like, you know, day drinking, all this other stuff, you know, and having my oldest be born in 2009 was really like the height, like when I think the mommy wine culture kicked off. Everything was based around drinking. We would have like we would meet at Whole Foods and like feed the kids early so we could drink. Friends would come over for play dates and like, you know, just so you could have a drink. That's when you were saying you, the person might have like smelled like booze at four. I'm like, absolutely. Yes. Because it's like, like that. I know. That was like no big deal. Like it just was what you did. And like, I remember meeting a friend. We have a ton of wineries in Virginia, like tons. And that's just where you would have play dates. So the kids could run around outside. <laughs> come on, kids. Let's go play at the winery. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like that is literally what people did. And, you know, so you just don't think anything of it. And like now I'm like horrified, but you know. But when everyone's doing it, when it's always been done and when no one's questioning it, why would we question it? Right. You don't. And so then, you know, so here, like all of 2020, I am miserable. Like literally I can't, I am so in my own head too, just being like, I'm such the victim here. Like, why is this happening to me? Like my kids were all supposed to go to school this year. And like, I was so miserable. So I also felt like I was carrying the load of this, the entire family, because, you know, my husband had to work and I don't work anymore. And so I just, it was like my job. And I'm like that, I just, I took it all on emotionally and, you know, like not only physically and like, 
it also, I couldn't communicate my feelings because I didn't know how to communicate totally. how I was feeling. Right. Well, even knowing what you're feeling, right? You can know yeah. that this is too much and I can't handle this and I'm going crazy. But like, what is that feeling underneath, right? Yeah. And so I think at that point too, I was still dealing with like so much, like either postpartum depression, like everything. And we're talking like five years late, but you don't go to the doctor and tell them you don't, you're feeling like crazy. Like that's just, you put your big girl pants on and you just push forward. And I'm like, I can't do this. And so we were in Maine. So my in-laws live in Maine. And I, you know, I was like, also, you know, like I got to like keep things good for the kids and like make sure everything feels normal. So I would take them up there. But like during COVID, we didn't see anyone. I had no help. And I was sick of the people being like, you know, just get some help. I'm like, how? Like where? No. Like we don't have family that live here. No, you couldn't. Our family wasn't seeing us. So even when we went up to Maine, like we're very lucky my in-laws have a second house they wouldn't see, like, they'd see us outside in the driveway. That was it. Like, I was on my own with, like... bananas to think about? Like, it's it's crazy to think about. I took the kids skiing up there, and this, I, like, lost my marbles because I got lost. I'm, like, such a control freak and, like, perfectionist that I got lost, and I lost it. Like, I was, like, literally having a nervous breakdown at the ski resort. I couldn't get, oh, I also had to get all four kids in their skis and all this other thing. And we were late. My in-laws were watching from a distance as I'm literally just having this like epic meltdown. God. And I think that was like my like breaking point where I was like, I'm having a nervous breakdown. Like I can't do this. Yeah. And so, but then I just kept drinking because I'm like, this is what fixes it. This is what fixes it. Right. We don't tie that Especially, I think, during the pandemic response and all the lockdowns and all of how our whole world just shut down and shifted and everything, a lot of it was on moms. Of course, we didn't connect alcohol making it harder because everything was so hard. Like alcohol probably seemed like the only thing that was making it easier or like the only escape, right? Like you can totally understand why that would happen. Yeah. So then like, let's also like layer in the fact that remember, my husband doesn't know I'm drinking. So right. Okay. What was that? Okay. So he still doesn't know and still doesn't know because I wouldn't get like hammered. I would just try to like numb everything, like just numb. Was it wine? Um. Oh, no, it would be. No, not necessarily. Okay, it would okay. be because that would take too long to drink. It could be wine, but it that would. Yeah. So like factor that in. And then I had all the craziness of like trying to hide the empties. Right. So like we have that layered in. To, and then he thinks I'm having like an, a brain aneurysm because sometimes he's like, what's wrong with you? Like, but I don't seem drunk. He doesn't think I'm drinking. So I'm like living this like crazy double life that I've got to keep up, which is exhausting. Oh, yes. <laughs> and so that all came to head in August of 21. When again, we were back up in Maine for the summer. Things were a little bit more normal. I mean, the kids were in school barely. Like, I mean, they went to school like two days a week or something ridiculous. But that summer was like a little bit more normal. And because we had been vaccinated the kids hadn't, but my in-laws would see us. Like we tried to be, it was a little bit more normal, but I like, now I'm getting further along where I need alcohol in order to like, to deal with like life. And I was so miserable. And so we're, we're up there, my husband, my kids and everything. 
And it gets to be like the middle of May and my oldest has to come back for like patrol training for school because they are going back to school like normal-ish. I stay up with the other kids because he needed to go back early. Anyway, I'm just like a mess. Like I am literally like just a hot mess. Yeah. And he's like, something is wrong with you. And so he calls his mom and he's like, you're not driving the kids because you're literally having like a breakdown. Like you can't drive the kids like 12 hours home. Like absolutely not. And so my mother-in-law like last minute drives us. We had like the longest, like it was like 16 hours. It was like the world's longest trip home. And David's like, call your brother and get him here because something is really friggin' wrong with you. And so my brother's like my best friend. So I call him and I'm like, you need to come. He lives in Pennsylvania. I'm like, you need to come down here. So he was here when I got home. And it basically was like an intervention at that point. They're like, what in the hell is going on with you? It was almost like I was crying for help, but I couldn't ask for help because I don't know how to ask for help. So I just came clean with everything because my brother's like, are you taking Xanax? Like, what is going on with you? And I'm like, no, like, that's crazy. Yeah. (laughs) It's just like vodka. Like, come on. (laughs) No, but anyway, I was, it was so hard for me to tell them that I was drinking because I was embarrassed, but I'm like, it's my family. They were like, we don't know what to do with you. I mean, because not only like you're having like a nervous breakdown, you're, (laughs) they're like, you need to go to rehab. And I was like, rehab? Like, I've never even tried to stop drinking. Like, I didn't really try. Like, and I was like, what? In like hindsight, they were like, we've got small kids here. Like, this train is off course. We have got to like reel it back in. So I was like, I cannot, like that, I can't do, like, that's ridiculous. Like, I will just do this on my own. And they were like, no, you're not. And I'm like, what? So anyway, long story short, I went to rehab and I loved it. I went to Karen in Pennsylvania and it's amazing, but I went there. And for the first time in my life, I felt like I didn't have to hide anymore. It was like going to overnight camp with a bunch of adults who all are like having a problem of some sort, but there's no walls. There's no, like everyone's just real and being like, here it is. You finally got to talk about shit that was going on and like your feelings. So like I had never been to therapy in my life, like never been medicated. They're like, holy shit, you've got PTSD. You need to be medicated. Like what is going on? I didn't have any clue what was going on with me. I really thought this was the way life was supposed to be. I was supposed to figure it out. And it was like, I was miserable. So I go there for 30 days, which I was horrified. Like I had so much shame. I had was so embarrassed. I'm like, this was not on my vision board of life to go to rehab. So anyway, I was there September 1st to October 1st. I was there for the first day of school, but you know, I like missed like the whole month of September with my kids. I missed my son's birthday. And my husband and my brother were like, listen, he'll have plenty more birthdays. Like we'll do something when you get back, like just go and focus on you. And so anyway, I did. And I loved it. And I met the best people, you know, and it was nothing like I had thought rehab was going to be. But here's the problem. There were a lot of sick people there very different than me. I felt like I was like Humpty Dumpty, right? Like I had fallen off the wall. I was all banged up. So I got put back on the wall, but I hadn't like dealt with all the cracks that I had. And part of it is like, I didn't even know what to ask. I was like a deer in headlights. I'm like, what? was so new for you, right? Right? Yeah. I didn't even try to stop drinking. I'd never even been to an AA meeting and here I am at rehab. I was like, what the hell? (laughs) Like, this is, what is going on? So I came home 
and I am now expected to go to AA meetings. So I went, but then I'm, I'm going for other people. I'm not going to my, for myself. And I am getting down, I'm going down the path of being like, this can't be my life. Like, I mean, I'll stop drinking, but like, this isn't what I envisioned. So for like a month, I was like, good. You know, I was stayed in touch with like the people I was there with. And I was like, you know what? I can figure this out. I can figure out the drinking. I just need to control it, which hello, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, I, yeah, I didn't try to control it before, but let me control it now. And it doesn't, let me tell you, it doesn't work. What it does do, it does get you pulled over by the cops in front of your neighborhood and taken to jail. And so when you talk about the yes, I had all of these people being like, okay, you're not that bad, but you haven't yet. And I was like, yeah, yeah, but that's not me. Like some of these people that I was with there were so, they had been at rehab like 10 times and like they had gone through all of these things that I hadn't yet. And I was like, no, no, I just have to figure it out. So when I got pulled over in front of my neighborhood and went to jail, I was like, oh shit, this is what they're talking about. And I was like, this is not going to be my life. So that was probably the best thing that could have happened to me because it put me in control of my life where before I felt like I wasn't in control yet. And I was just like, oh no, like this is not how this is going to go. So December 21st, I sat my ass in a holding cell in jail and I'm sitting there and I was like, I cannot believe this is happening. Not only that, my kids luckily were home. I was by myself. I absolutely did not condone drinking and driving, but it wasn't me at that point. So I sat there and my husband is pissed, right? Rightfully so. Like he is mad because he's like, what in the hell? So I'm, I'm sitting in there and I'm, I call the only other phone number I know, but like the top of my head is my parents, right? Mm -hmm. So there's nothing like sitting in jail and having to call your parents just to like chat about like, see what's up. And so I call them and it's like, you know, a collect call from, you know, the Fairfax County jail. And my mom thinks it's like a prank. So she hangs up. She doesn't accept it. Oh, no. Oh, no, mom. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, in the moment, I was like, you know what? This is up to me now. No one else is going to get me out of this. This is on me. So by the grace of God, after sitting there and literally I was watching Home Alone in jail. That was what was on TV. And I was like, if there is a sign. Here it is. Like, because I was like, was my youth. And now it's just telling me to like, pull it together. And so I luckily did not get charged with anything. I got no, I got charged with drunk in public or something. So at that point, came home and was like, I'm going back to rehab, because I need to work on myself at this point. Now I know what I need to work on. And so I went back, they wanted me to go, this was December 22nd, they wanted me to go. And I then I was like, I am not missing Christmas. And so December 27th, I went back. And like, I loved it so much that like kept wanting to stay. They're like, No, you have to go home at this point. But that was the first time where I was like, Okay, like, let's set aside the drinking, let's work on what is causing the drinking. And I was like, I can't do this alone. I've got to tell people. I, because when I went the first time, I was so mortified, literally like two people knew I didn't let my husband tell his sister. So the shame was still there. And the shame literally is what kills you in this. So the 22nd, I made my husband, cause I couldn't do it yet. I, he called his family and he called my whole family. They did like a call together and he told them the whole story. 
it was so freeing to be like, it just isn't me anymore. Like trying yeah. to fight this on my own. So, you don't have to hide. Yeah. And so my mother-in-law came down for six months and lived here. So I didn't have to worry about like the kids and I could just focus on myself for those like first six months. And when I went back, I was like, I have to involve my family in like these like sessions because there's so much screwed up from like childhood that, you know, I just need to deal with. And like, so in addition, like, you know, I did EMDR and I did CPT and like all this other stuff that I didn't even know existed. So my therapist would be sitting there and we'd have these like calls with my family. And if we'd hang up and I'm like, so you wonder why I'm here? She's like, oh my God. <laughs> like, because my parents would just be like, oh yeah, well, my mom's dad was an alcoholic, but we didn't talk about it because it was embarrassing. You know, she would say all these things and it was like, yeah. no, you have to talk about things. Like you can't just shove things down. And you know, her when he passed away, she was very proud that like she went to school the next day. And I'm like, no, like we yeah. can't, right. we have to deal with stuff. Like, Anyway, so I came, when I came home, I was like, I've got to figure out what works for me. And AA does not work for me. It might work for other people, but I'm like, that is not the life that I wanted. And I'm now in control. Like I'm the captain of this ship. And I'm like, I am going to do something different, which also was really hard because when I came home, well, I guess both times, like I wasn't an open book the first time telling people what I went through but I just didn't expect people to cut me off so quickly. Like literally it was very awkward, not only for me, but for my kids, people were just like not including us. Like they were not like kind and it was very strange. And, you know, and now I realize that's them, not me, but it was really hard. Yeah. And so that's what I do. I do a lot of work now with Karen to try and help them prepare people for when they go home, because I just felt like I was like, thrown to the wolves the first time. And that can help a lot of people to not feel that way. Yeah. And what did you, so you didn't want AA. What did you find? Like when you came home, what did you turn to? Well, I did do, so I did the 90 and 90 because I felt 90 okay. meetings, 90 days. 90 meetings and 90 days. I just went through the motions and I was like, I'm doing this until I can find something else. I, you know, rather than just like doing it like angrily, if that's a word. Cause at that point, like, like I said, I didn't even try the first time to like quit drinking. So I did, that's when I just kind of threw myself more into like the quit lit and like, you know, all the books and you know, podcasts and, and more so therapy and just having constant communication with the girls that I was and guys that I was at rehab with. And so the ones that I was there with in January, there's like six of us that talk just all throughout the day, like just text and call or whatever it is. And so that's just like one way of like accountability of like, if somebody's having a bad day, all of these people know exactly what you're going through. And that's what I didn't feel like AA had the community that i you know, had. And so I was constantly searching for that, Yeah, you know, and that's, what's so great about what you started is it's like for these people who don't have that kind of built in, like rehab friends, <laughs> which I highly recommend rehab. I loved it. I mean, it does really hurt my soul when I see these people struggling in Facebook and I'm like, oh gosh, like you have to go to rehab. Like you, you know, I don't want to use the words disaster, but like, you are way far gone. Like you have. But instead of it being like a sentence, right? And and it's so much of this like shame. I think that you're right that, I mean, shame does destroy us. Like shame is is what is 
is going to kill us and, and keeps us from telling the truth. And did I ever think that my vision board would have me going to rehab two times? Like literally, like right. I couldn't right. send out a Christmas card that year because I was like, what am I going to put? Like Jen had a great year, went to rehab twice. Like what the hell? Right. And the irony is that, you know, the Christmas cards probably before you weren't telling the truth either, right? Or when we're drinking. I had to make sure everything looked perfect on the outside and I was falling apart on the inside. And everyone like was like, they would be shocked. Like, in all honesty, not a lot of people know I went to rehab, but I think they would literally, their jaw would hit the floor to be like, what? Like you have it all together. Well, I do on the outside, but I was a hot mess on the inside. That just perpetuates this like normal drinker idea too, right? Like from the outside, people probably assumed you were a normal drinker. You you somehow made alcohol fit into your life and work with motherhood and all of this stuff. And yeah, that when when we keep quiet and when we hide and when we are just alone in our shame, yeah, it's and that's just what, the most dangerous. I did not set myself up to succeed the first time I came back for rehab for that same reason. Like I was so embarrassed of myself to be like, how did I get here? And it wasn't me. No, it all just makes total sense, right? Like when you step back and just look at it, it's like, oh, of course, like of, look at all of the, the trauma that you dealt with, the pandemic, the pandemic response, that is trauma, not knowing what's going on with that, dealing with that alone. And it brought up additional trauma. Like I was trying to keep my kids safe because I didn't feel safe as a kid, right? Because I had somebody violate right. my safety. And so it's like this whole thing and no one understands that. Like my husband's like, what is wrong with you? You know, like he doesn't get it. You know, he can be supportive, but he didn't live through a shooting. Like, you know, now every time it happens, he's like, checks in. He's like, are you okay? And I'm like, you know, that's a very different place than we were two years ago because he didn't know to check in for that stuff because I didn't talk about it. (laughs) Right. Well, because you didn't know that you were carrying around that trauma. I mean, I thought that I had to shove it all down and I had to just, again, make everything look perfect on the outside. And that's like, you know, the, like, that's the bad thing about like Instagram and Facebook. You just want everyone to see the good stuff, but who wants to read the bad stuff too, you know? I know. And we all have that bad stuff. And like we always say, Mm -hmm. I always say it's like mold in the basement, you know, that stuff, you could shove it down and you could, but it will make itself known and it will, it will take over. Oh my God. Well, I mean, I'm blown away by your story because this is why I love like talk sitting down because I know, you know, like day to day we connect and we talk, but then it's like when you hear somebody's story and your story is incredible, what you've gone through and risen out of, and now you're such a bright light in our community and like so many of the new members look up to you and, you know, just, I mean, it's so true and you always have such great insights. And so like, yeah, like that's, is going to help so many people. Yeah. And it's funny because we spend so much time and money on other ways to like make ourselves better, right? That no one would think of like rehab, which think about if you injure your knee, you go to rehab for your knee, but I needed rehab for my soul. Like, like I'm proud of myself for doing it and like in coming out on top, not necessarily, but just owning who I was and just like having to take what I was dealt with and like, how am I going to like make the best of it? And my oldest knows like everything. I had to come clean to her when I got arrested and that was scary. And I can have very open, honest conversations with her now that I never would have been able to have 
had I not had this experience because I wouldn't have known how to communicate and I wouldn't have known that it's okay to like mess up and you know what you do with it and show her like what better lesson to teach our kids that it's okay to mess up yeah I I asked her if she wanted me to come speak yeah at her middle school she's like absolutely not (laughs) (laughs) that's hilarious that's like any kid oh my god she's like horrified but you know like we've had really good conversations just about alcohol and I I do not want my kids to I will certainly tell them what it's like but I'm not going to tell them like if I make it like the forbidden fruit, they're going to like go to it. And if I could just tell them like, Hey, here's what the truth is. Yeah. And, you know, allow them to like make their own decisions. But you know, they're having good conversations right now. I can at least tell you in middle school about the dangers of alcohol and all the cancers it causes. So that is at least like, and what it does to the brain. That's the addiction inoculation, that book and what it does to, to a developing brain and the, and that it's so much more statistically likely that there will be substance use disorder or some sort of dependence the earlier they start. And so if we can push that back by telling the truth, it's not like, you know, it's just like telling the truth about the substance. Right. And it's the same thing, like what they see growing up too. If they see that you're supposed to have drinks with you on, you know, vacation or in the car. Or to cope with any feeling. Yeah. And that's what I was told is that you cope with alcohol, like happy, sad, angry, frustrated, scared. Yeah. What better way? What better way not to feel the feelings and to stuff it all down than just drink alcohol? Like that's the perfect way to do it. And my kids don't see that now. And they see like we can all have the same drinks. You don't have to worry about what's in what cup, you know? Yes. Oh, and my husband stopped drinking too. And he still stopped drinking. Remember with the whole thing, like, so he stopped. He had, he stayed stopped. He stayed stopped. And so, you know, and it's interesting because in his work, he does get people that ask him, you know, like, why don't you drink? And he doesn't, he doesn't care, but he's, you know, he's like, it is interesting for his perspective to see people interested in him not drinking. Right. I'm so proud of you. I mean, Aww, thank you. I am. Your story is so inspiring and you have me tearing up. <laughs> I'm so grateful for you and being a part of this community and, and being such a such a strong voice for sobriety and that it doesn't have to be this cage and this sentence. And it's like yeah. the opposite. It gives the doors open so much wider. And I just wish people didn't view it as like this thing that's like hindering their life. Like it's yesterday, we just went to see Aladdin with the kids and all these people waiting in line to like throw down some terrible wine. I'm like, oh, wow, I know. And the lines are always so long. And I'm like, you guys are waiting it like what? Just to numb out an awesome experience. Exactly. It's, It's wild. It is. It is. And I am only able to say that now because I'm on the other side. And like, I feel bad because I'm lucky. I don't have crazy. I do not miss it at all. Like I don't, it really is not hard to live this life. You know, I have to watch myself because I know a lot of people struggle with that, but I wouldn't, I don't know if it's time, if it's like what it is, but I, it is so easy for me just to like walk the road and ignore all of it. I think it's time and work. I mean, you did the work <laughs> yeah, and, I mean, and the work is figuring out the work is the excavation of it all and figuring out why you were drinking and what void it was filling. And that's why, if anything, like anyone thinking about rehab, it's like taking the express train as opposed to the regional train. Like you don't need to make all those stops. Like you can just figure out where you need the help and like how 
how to get it and what to ask for. Like I was, I did not know. And it's like a vacation in itself. I was like, I keep, I always call it camp. I was like, you know, when I went to camp and they're like, well, it's rehab. And I'm like, no, I know. But it was like adult overnight camp. But I'm seeing all the girls that I was with in January at, there's a gala for Karen in uh, New York next month. And so it's like, you know, it's like seeing old friends, you know, totally. Yeah. So it's exciting. Oh my God. I love that. I I love the idea of normalizing going to rehab and not having this dark cloud. (laughs) I know. Oh my God. Yes. (laughs) Yes. 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 Let's say it loud. Oh my God. Yeah. They had to kick me out. Literally. They were like, you need to go home. (laughs) So funny. The second time I'm like, you sure? Can I stay? (laughs) I was like, I would (laughs) I loved it. I had my own oh room, my, my own bathroom. I was like, this is fantastic. No kids waking you up at night. Like just for that. Oh my God. A full night's sleep. Somebody else making my food. Yes. Oh my, you got to talk about feelings. Oh my God. Exactly. Oh. We watched like, we'd have like, um, we'd watch a lot of like recovery movies at night together or, yeah. or some crappy, like dancing with the stars. But it was just like a group of like, it was like a big sleepover. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Oh my God. Okay. Well, if you take anything away from, from this, that it, let it be that I like that message. Yes. Yes. Jen, thank you. Thank you for being such a strong part of our community and like a pillar and people look up to you. And I just, this episode will really just solidify that because your story is amazing and you're incredible. Thank you. And thank you for everything that you do. Because honestly, until I found this space, I was like, I will just have to hold on to my core group of friends from rehab, which is okay. But this makes it just so much better and broader and allows you to like meet other people who, you know, you never know when you can help someone and somebody else hears something that will help them. You know, I can only hope that. Oh, Jen, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Sober Mom Life. If you loved it, please rate and review it wherever you listen. Five stars is amazing. Also, follow me on Instagram at The Sober Mom Life. Okay, I'll see you next week. I'm going to go reheat my coffee. Bye. I'm Madeline, and I'm the host of the Happiest Sober Podcast. I got sober in my 20s after a decade of gray area drinking, and the greatest plot twist of all time was realizing that alcohol, the thing that I thought made my life the most happy and fun and exciting, was actually the exact thing preventing me from living my happiest and best life. My mom is 40 years sober, and she joins me on my podcast very often. I like to call her my part-time co-host, and I also bring you solo episodes where I share my top tips, tricks, and mindset shifts in sobriety, and lots of how to's for navigating all the things sober from weddings to parties to holidays to bachelorette parties to trips. I'm also joined by so many guests who come on and share their sober stories and they're all so, so inspiring. I'm here to show you that life doesn't end when you quit drinking. In fact, it's very much the opposite. And no matter what your relationship was with alcohol, life can be the absolute happiest when you're sober. New episodes come out every Tuesday. You can listen to Happiest Sober Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.